So how is it that you can take words, string them together in such a way that turns into an action? This is the holy grail, right? This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 30. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. 30 and flirty, here we are. Ah, 30 and flirty. Hello, Obehave. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, this is Rob and Kennedy. Hello. From Response Suite, back again for yet another episode here at Three Marketers Walk into a podcast. And because we're British, we have to obviously talk about the weather. And you can see it's on the turn. It is. It's on the turn. It's, it's zigging and zagging left and right at the minute, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's crazy. We're in, in that change of season. Oh, change of season. Roasting thing in the office, yeah. There we are. There we are. And we're ramping up towards the festive holiday season. Exactly. Uh, are we? We're getting well. Have you been Every, everywhere's got the decorations up in the street in Newcastle City Centre. They have, yeah. We've seen one of the cleverest pieces of marketing, haven't we? We've seen yes, in the last talk week. about that. That's a really cool yeah, thing. Yeah, so in, uh, in Newcastle, where we live, in the city centre, there's a shop. Um, am I allowed to name the shop? Yeah, let's name it. Rhymes with Fenix. No, there's a shop called Fenix. And basically every year they have a really famous shop window display. And it's always something like a children's story like Alice in Wonderland. Or, and this, this time it's the snowman. I'm sure many, many listeners will know the children's story. I was so tempted to sing them, but we will be hearing more of my singing with, a little later in the episode. With walking in the air. And uh, what happened is over the road from that, there is a bakery shop, famous UK bakery shop called Greg's. So they sell sausage rolls and pasties and things the Americans have probably never heard of. So apologies <laughs> to everyone who's not It's basically products inside of a pastry case. Yeah. The most British thing you can imagine. And basically, Greg's, the name of this bakery, they've turned their sign backwards from left to right. So that as a... It's like a mirror image image of itself. Yeah, it's a mirror image of itself. So that people looking and taking photographs of Fennec's shop window will see a reflection of the Greg's sign in the window, and it's the right way around. So now you can't take a photo of this monumental, really important sort of holiday season exhibition in in the Fennec's window without seeing the Greg's sign reflected in your photograph. Brilliant, genius Genius. marketing. Uh, They're very, very, very clever. And who else is clever? Who else is clever? Tim David. He is a very clever man. Very clever man. Before we get into Tim David, it was a good segue, but it was premature. It was premature segue there, Robert, because we've had some lovely, we've had some lovely comments on the old, uh, what was it called? The iTunes. The iTunes. People have been leaving some comments and feedback and stuff for us on there. Thank you to all of you who have. So we had a lovely comment from Rich Legg, who said, always great guests and content on this show. Rob and Kennedy work really well together as co-hosts and keep the show varied and entertaining. So oh, Richard, you are so, so very kind. And we had a lovely, another, another lovely comment from Mr. Matt Young, who was a previous podcast guest. All the way back in episode 16. You can find out about his, and you can listen back to his episode over at blog.responsesuite.com slash 016. And Mr. Matt Young said, I was a guest on this podcast podcast and was honored to be asked well it was an honor to have you on mr matt young the guys are very professional and prepped me well for the interview it was also good fun and the other episodes i've heard are very informative too thank you mr matt young if you haven't already left us a lovely comment on itunes or your favorite podcast player please do so of course we'll read it out on the show over the coming weeks we'll give you a name check and if you put your website address in the comment we'll also tell people all about your website we'll give you a little linky poos on that too Indeed. so are you about to do a really really clever segue now Robert? no i've used it no more segues <laughs> this year okay so tim is one of my best friends in the world so i am absolutely biased but i really enjoyed speaking to tim and he has some really great insights so let's head straight into our interview with tim david it's tim david how are you doing oh i am fantastic how are you man long time no speak 
I know, it's been a little while. It's really good to have you on the podcast. We've been trying to nail you down for a little while and you've been running around, well, flying around, speaking all over the place, trying to get things done and trying to get you nailed down for this. So, so excited that we actually made this happen. Yeah, I mean, the problem is I'm just too damn important. <laughs> He's been slowly nudging his way down the whiteboard of doom over there. <laughs> yeah, the schedule or schedule or however you pronounce it um, is, uh, has been pushing you down and down. So we wanted to talk to you today about all of the things I know that you're really passionate about. And I know you've released books on and do a lot of speaking about, which is written persuasion. People hear a lot about talking and speaking and live sales, in-person sales, but you're really good at like taking those techniques and some other techniques and doing that in the written word. So tell us a bit about what written persuasion is and where us marketers should actually be applying those techniques. Well, I mean, I don't have a, a specific fancy uh, definition for what written persuasion is. I think it is in many ways self-explanatory as far as what it is. How to do it, I think, is is far more uh, interesting. We could certainly spend uh, a lot more time on that. But what I find interesting now in in the time that we live in is how written persuasion is sort of coming back. You know, we, we have this thing in our pockets that we have this, this, this piece of technology that is creating more and more written interactions, you know, with text, with email. You know, I heard, a, I heard a, a funny thing on the internet saying, basically, here are the tiers of friendship. Level one is, is we can hang out. Not great friends, but I'll hang out with you. Level two is, um, you know, we can, we can travel together. Man, that's, that's a deeper level of friendship. Level three is I'll take a bullet for you. Level four is I will speak to you on the phone, right? It is so <laughs> true now that we would rather text than talk. So what written persuasion allows us to do is, number one, meet people where they are at, communicate with them on their terms, how they prefer. It also allows, obviously, the, the, the written persuasion has always allowed for greater distribution. I mean, you are only one person. You can only have one conversation face-to-face at a time. Yes, it's possible to do one to many, such as in a situation like this. You know, Robin, Ken, we're on this, we're on this podcast and it's, it's us speaking to many people, many, many, many people all at once. And, uh, and that's, that's the beauty of, of, uh, you know, uh, spoken persuasion, but written persuasion, man, you get it down on paper, you get it perfect, you get it down on a website, you get it perfect, and suddenly that is out and working for you uh, over and over and over again. So there's really uh, a couple of major benefits for having the ability to put words on uh, or text on a, on a page or on a screen that compels someone to take an action. That makes perfect sense. One of the things I suppose that raises the question around is we see lots of stats banded around about by the marketers out there saying how much more impactful video is these days. What's your feeling around that? You said it's sort of it's coming back to that written persuasion thing. Obviously, video is available to us on our phones because we've all got like 4G and 5G's just around the corner. Where does written persuasion fit into sort of the future, though? So I uh, just recently downloaded an app that I am going to look up because I didn't expect A, to be talking about it today. But bringing up video is a perfect, uh, a perfect opportunity to sort of share this tool uh, that I've discovered. And what it allows you to do, here's what the tool allows you to do. It allows you to take the video that you are creating for webinars, for live streaming, for YouTube even, right? Any video that you're creating, and instead of having it be off the cuff, sort of like our conversation here, 
which is great and it has its time and its place, but very rarely, and I learned this as a speaker, right, standing on stage and, and speaking, I learned that very rarely is the perfect word going to just fall out of your mouth randomly, right? And as an, as an entertainer too, we know the importance and the power of scripting. And all that is, is taking the written persuasion and verbalizing it and vocalizing it. And there are subtle changes and subtle differences when you are writing to speak versus writing to have someone read it. Uh, and that's just a feel thing. That's just a voice thing. That's just a style thing. But what this app allows you to do is it allows you to basically use your phone as a teleprompter. So it's called Big View, B-I-G-V-U, and it's a free app, and you just type in what you want to say on the video. The words scroll across the screen. You are looking directly at the camera. You are reading your script. The words are coming out perfect. I'll tell you what, I've saved so much time uh, on, on just the quantity of takes that I have to do yeah. for a video blog or a sales video or a webinar or whatever. So that's one tool and one way you can use video and combine it with that written persuasion component. That's really amazing. And obviously that's the kind of thing when you see a lot of it, we've talked to a lot of guests about Facebook live and Instagram stories and all that sort of good stuff. And the problem with that is you often watch these things and the person is just sort of driveling on with some kind of unstructured kind of thing where they sort of want to get to a point and I'm just standing there going, can you get to the point because there's no structure to it? And some kind of app like that would, would obviously help you do that. I think the other lovely thing about that is if you think about written influence, if you think about writing your stuff, it kind of goes alongside a video. And also, like people can, if they needed to, skim read it and it'll still have a benefit for them. It'll still have the sales message that you needed to get across. Now, with this written influence stuff, you know, maybe it's with sales letters, maybe it's with um, copy on pages, maybe it's with emails. What are some of the big mistakes that you see people making in their written communications? And what are some quick fixes to... Plug those, plug those holes and solve those problems? This is uh, an enormous question, and I plan on uh, attacking it from a couple of different angles, but uh, I want to go back just for a second and talk a little bit about uh, video, live streaming, things like that. There is a time and a place for the off-the-cuff personality-driven component where you yeah. are conversing sort of with with your audience you are bringing them you know I, I did a lot of live streaming where I would bring people backstage at my speaking events I would take them on the road and travel uh, to the hotels and airports and destinations that I went to just as a personality piece but there are also times when you know you have something that you want to sell and you want it to be right so as as a third sort of or, 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 or a tip to tack on to that obviously as you write the script for that and as you read it, you can certainly now take that and 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 post that as a as a as a written transcript yeah. uh, below a video or what have you. And and that's exactly to to Rob's point. You know, some people just want to skim; they don't have time. I know I watch every single video on double speed, so you know sometimes that real time is just too slow for some people. And uh, having the written and you get that lovely point. benefit of it, like uh, of it being search engine friendly when it's written too, just as mm -hmm. a side thing. All kinds of reasons. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So uh, about the mistakes that people make, I think I'm going to sort of talk about a meta mistake. So it's a mistake that people make that cause a lot of other mistakes. That and sounds good. That sounds yeah, good. Yeah, right? And that is just um, staring at a blank page and expecting something to happen, right? 
the the staring at a blank page syndrome and just feeling like okay i need to i need to put something down causes all kinds of problems you know you you're thinking about what do i have to write there there's 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 all kinds of issues so a couple things ways to fix that is obviously the the importance of of templates of formulas of sort of tried and true best practices all very important another piece that's really important about written persuasion is who are you writing to right it's very difficult to write anything imagine imagine you're writing a letter right so uh, you might start with dear so and so right and then the next part is gosh what do i write to this well who is so and so right if it's dear grandma then then suddenly uh, and you're writing to her about how how your your week went in in vegas then suddenly you have, I don't know why you're writing to grandma. You'll probably mention week in Vegas. Grandma. <laughs> this Vegas. is I maybe mean, a bad example. Boy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you get, you get the idea, right? Suddenly there are parameters, right? A blank page is too unconstrained. Um, the thing about creativity and, and written persuasion as, as, as formulaic as it can sometimes be, is still art. It's still creativity. It is still, um, it is still a human task, right? It's still expression, so, isn't it? I mean, you're still expressing yourself. Absolutely, 100%. And, and with, with a creative pursuit or creative process, constraints are your friend. So having a person that you are writing to, um, you know, the old technique that copywriters use is having the ideal prospect, the customer avatar. That's well and good. I have a face person that I write to when I write uh, my weekly blog. And it's just sort of my ideal reader. It's somebody that always responds and interacts, is always thoughtful and insightful, buys all my stuff. It's like, this is the person that I want to uh, attract. So this is the person that I write to when I write my blogs. Uh, so, you know, just little, little tips like that start to fall into place when you, um, when you realize that this, this blank page problem, this blank page mistake uh, really need to be addressed. That's, I mean, that's a huge thing, isn't it? I mean, anybody here ever, ever tried to sit down and write like a sales letter or a new sales page for any kind of offer knows that intimidation of going, okay, where do I even begin? And the truth is you've got to just get started, haven't you? That's, that's a real thing. Yeah. And, and you know, the other, the other piece of this is, um, and this is where we start to get into a little bit of the persuasion piece. We've talked a lot about the written piece, but the other half, and probably the larger half, definitely the larger half of written persuasion, is the persuasion piece, right? So how is it that you can take words, string them together in such a way that turns into an action? This is the holy grail, right? This is the, the skill that if you develop this skill, you will never be broke, right? You will never be bored. You will, nev you will always have an in-demand skill, regardless of technological advances, regardless of really uh, anything. If you can turn words into action, then, uh, then that's a pretty good place to be. And it's a very, very counterintuitive process. The people who sit down to write without having any training, without having any experience, without having any understanding of how words uh, translate to action, invariably, 100% of the time, will make devastating mistakes. So it is a skill that certainly can be developed and it's a skill that should become a priority. The reason I say that, this I learned this from, from Dan Kennedy years and years and years ago. So anybody in any business, in any area of life, 
you should be asking a question, what is the activity that is the highest leverage activity for me, right? What should I be doing that when I'm doing it, I know I'm not wasting my time. I know that I am uh, leveraging my skills, talents, abilities, my time, my energy, my focus to its maximum. And in any industry, right? Dan Kennedy taught me this and, and I've taken it to heart and I've uh, seen it just, just play out in, in all kinds of different industries and areas and jobs uh, from, from the most basic to, to, to the most uh, advanced and in-depth. And the answer is writing. The, 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 the focused writing uh, time is some of the most valuable time uh, that you can put in and, and doing it well, right? So just sitting and writing, like if you're a hundred monkeys clacking away at a, at, at a hundred keyboards, eventually you'll put out Shakespeare, but that's, that's going to take a while, right? So if you can s increase that skill as well, then you're just going to continue to further sharpen that saw as Stephen Covey says, and, and make, uh, make progress in what, in, in whatever it is that you want to do. Mm, that's really, really cool. Now, Tim, we're going to play a little game. This is the first game of two in this particular episode of Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. This is the uh, true or false round. So we're going to just give you three simple uh, well, statements, and uh, I want you to try and guess whether you think they are true or false. All right. Oh, boy. We're going to be, show, we're going to be using the video for this as well. So this will be uh, interesting to see, uh, to see your hands so, so so for, do it. So, for example, if I said to you, uh, Tim, Kennedy's hair is good, that would be... Oh gosh, this is an example there question. <laughs> I would say. Terrible. <laughs> Let's dive into the actual statement. 62% of content writers are still struggling to produce material that engages their buyers. False, it's higher. You're correct, it is Very much higher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 87% of people yeah. are really struggling with that. Next one, 940 WordPress posts are published every minute. False, I think it's higher as well. It is higher. Ding, ding, yeah. ding. Yes, uh, it's 1,440 a minute. You are a champion so far. And half of those are Tim's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn, they're persuasive. I tell you. Okay, your last one. 45% of marketers say blogging is their number one most important content strategy. Ooh, that seems high, but I'm going to say true. Three out of three. It's three out of three. I think you're yes. the first three out of three. I think he's got For reals? Come on. He's looking I, at the beat of Remember that Tim 50, 50. is a recovering mentalist. So, <laughs> this is true. This is true. And he's good. He's yeah. good too. Okay, so... Tell us, Tim, where is it you stand on the idea of standard sort of copywriting methods and formula, that kind of thing? Does that sort of thing still work, like your old headline formulas and stuff? Or is there a better way these days? It's like food. You know, it's, uh, if you don't have it, you're hungry. Uh, but if you, if you do have it, now you can focus on, on other areas of life. Um, consider, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Those physiological needs are, are important uh, but it's not sort of the high leverage, you know, high, does it fulfill your soul, you know, to eat a, a, a you know, a leg of chicken or something for some, it does, but uh, depends how good the chicken is. So, you know, the, the formula is, is the, the base sort of gets you in the game, takes away the blank page syndrome and um, uh, you know, is, is, is kind of like getting your feet in the starting blocks. Um, so I, I, I don't ever write without a formula, 
you know, I, I, it's just, you know, like I said, it's just, it's just the starting point though. It's not to be all end all. Okay. Now, what, what about people who think like they're not a good writer? Like somebody might there be thinking, you know, like I struggle to spell properly and like, I'm just not a good writer. How do they overcome this? <clears throat> so, um, this is, um, you know, clearly this person has daddy issues and needs to see a thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> writing, being a good writer means different things to different people. All right. In the context of marketing and persuasion. All right. In the context of marketing and persuasion, you're absolutely right. You're a horrible writer. Unless, right. If, if you're, if you're, if you have any doubt that you're a good writer, you're bad. Right. And that's, that's beautiful. It's okay. Because like I said, the process is, um, is about learning and developing and growing it because it's not, if you think you're good, then you're not going to learn and develop, right? That's the problem. You need to think that you're bad. You need to feel like there's more that you have to learn. Uh, in order to to take the steps necessary to become a good writer if you if you think you 're a good writer then then you 're just going you 're going to be blind to the fact that what you 're doing is not working so uh, i, I don 't know i, I if you if you 're not good at grammar that 's fine it doesn 't matter there's the, the the marketing and persuasion piece of writing is is just such a specific skill set and it 's different from most other writing that it 's okay. To, to be bad at all of those other areas. You can still have success. I think it's time we play yet another, another game. game. Uh, is. So this is, uh, this is really cool. Basically, what's going to happen, Tim, this is the second and final game, you'll be pleased to know, uh, of the episode. And basically what happens is uh, my colleague Kennedy here, hello, that's him, uh, is going to sing a song. Oh and he's going to... Your face. Uh, and he's going to sing a song, uh, <laughs> but he's going to do it in the style of a traditional British club singer. Right, so okay. a British pub or club singer, which means that some of the words may be a little bit disguised. And uh, your job okay. at the end, it's a sort of a fairly well-known song, your job at the end is to try and guess what you think the song might be or is. Okay? Okay. Great. So, Kennedy, <clears throat> take it away. Just clearing my, uh, clearing my throat now. You're punking me. This is not real. This, <laughs> guys. What do you think it might be? <laughs> well, um, it's it's clearly Beyonce. Uh, there's no question in my mind. <laughs> what? There's nothing that you 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 are I. You just you're trying to see what I'm going to come up with, right? There's you're, you, it was nonsensical, uh, and 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 my job is to uh, make sense of the nonsensical. No, that song. Well, we'll tell you what it is at the end of the episode. Congratulations for giving it a guess, though, because most people just just go. Just There's up. no way that, that that was a real song. Oh, it was. Believe me, when you hear when I say who it, is really the pub singer? It all <laughs> <laughs> so. Let's talk about, we need to, when we're writing anything that's to do with being persuasive, one of the big things I know a lot of people forget to do is actually do that call to action at the end of it. You take them along that journey and you've got to ask for the sale or you've got to say, please go and do this. What are some really compelling ways to do that? Like, how do we actually get, because it's nerve wracking. You're writing this bit of copy and you go, now I'm going to ask them to click the button or give me the money or what's some really simple ways for us to get over that. And it might be as simple as put your email address in, you know, whatever that call to action is. So bad news. I, uh, this is the, this is the step that I focus the absolute least on. 
so imagine where they are and where you are and where you want them to be is a huge gap. The call to action has to come at a time after you have closed that gap to near uh, nil. So it's a point where it's just a matter of it's an obvious, clear, no-brainer, just this is, you're ready, this is what you do. And the call to action is literally do this, right? It's very often in, in my pieces, in my videos, it's literally just one sentence, the call to action. The, the only thing that I think about with, with, uh, with call to action as far as the, the biggest challenge for call to action is to remember to put it in. <laughs> to literally just, yeah. just say specifically what you want them to do, how to do it, where to go, all, all those action steps. It's, but, it's, but by that point in the process, it's just a like, I have to remind myself to actually say it because it just seems so obvious that that's what they're going to be doing. Yeah, no real uh, super exciting, sexy tips on that one other than remember to do it and everything else that leads up to the call to action is really where sort of the, the magic happens. So let's, let's, let's debunk some myths, right? Here's, here's the big question. We hear all the time from people, and we, it might be pseudo-psychology, who knows, but you hear all the time that you, know, you can drop embedded commands into your sentences, you know, secret little words that will secretly make people suddenly rush to the back of the room if you're speaking, or to you know, fly to, the, to the, bo- the button on the bottom of your like Magic page, words, basically. magic words, like literally magic words. But, but I mean like, and things like, you know, you hear people say it and they put overemphasis on it. Like, I'm sure that by now, you can see why this would be a great deal for you. And people think, well, And I'm, you, like me. Exactly. And people think, <laughs> And there are loads of people who, who think that genuinely by putting those into their sentences, they're suddenly going to sell a million percent more products than they just. Is there any truth in that? By itself, no. Uh, it's, that's not a dial turner or a difference maker. Uh, one of the things that I've come across in my research that is um, remarkably effective, and I hate that it is. I do. I hate that it shouldn't be. Um, but something that psychologists have identified as the name letter effect. And what the name letter effect is, if you don't know, um, if your name is Chris, you're more likely to prefer Coke than Pepsi because it shares uh, letters with your name. The brand Coke shares the C uh, primary, you know, predominant letter with your name. So that's why I love Kit Kats. Uh, possibly, you know, possibly. So uh, I'm sure you can find something in your own life, um, you know, where, where you're drawn to, to certain brands or certain things. And you think it's because Coke tastes better, but maybe maybe there's something to this. Now, the name letter effect, people, people fight me on it. Uh, you can certainly look it up. It's been established in, in 14 different countries. Minimum thousands of studies have been done. It is across cultures, continents, religions, races. It's, it's, the reason it works is because every time you hear your name, you hear, it, you hear it a lot, right? You hear your name a lot. You have learned to start paying attention. So when your brain hears something that is your name or even sounds a little bit like your name, then your, your subconscious brain will now commandeer your attention and force you to focus on that thing. The second, that's called the cocktail party effect, right? And the reason is you're at a cocktail party, you're talking to somebody over here, you hear your name off in the corner and, and you just turn your head like, like you get whiplash, like somebody's talking about me, I need to pay attention. So the, the second reason the name letter effect is so profound and important, especially in written persuasion, is because of what uh, scientists call implicit egotism, 
we all uh, like ourselves, right? We all, we all see ourselves and see specifically our name as a representation of ourselves and therefore uh, things that sound, it remind, uh, sound like it remind ourselves of ourselves and just put a smile on our face. So this name letter effect is not just for brands. Uh, it has extended into major life decisions. If your name is Larry, you're more likely to become a lawyer than a doctor. If your name is Harry, you're going you're gonna to do hardware instead of roofing. Um, if you're Dennis, you're going to become a dentist. If your name is Georgia, you're more likely to live in the state of Georgia, uh, 88% more likely to live in the state of Georgia than what relative statistics would indicate. It is a surprising effect. So every email that you write begins with a name, hi so-and-so. Just use the name. If you can put the name in the subject line of your broadcasts, you are going to get more opens. If you are writing to a specific person uh, and you're talking to Frank, tell him that your pr proposition is fantastic, but you're gonna tell Terry that it's terrific, right? You can literally just use the letters of someone's name to uh, sort of almost magically commandeer their attention. So that is, that is one of the things that I've come across that is backed by research. Uh, some of the other, what we call embedded suggestions, some of the NLP techniques are a little bit um, sort of inflated as far as their uh, effectiveness. So the answer to the question is yes and no, right? Yes and no. Um, there are some things that certainly are magical, but there's also a lot of uh, fluff and hype and myths out there. So what we need is we need 26 different names for our product so that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what did Coke do? Coke literally just put a bunch of names on the bottles. And by the way, when they did that, uh, they had their first increase in profits in 11 years. Uh, you know, sugary, unhealthy soft drinks have been on the decline for a long time. They put names on the bottles for the first time, their profits went up. I mean, it was millions, billions of dollars for Coke. It was over a 2% increase in profit. Holy moly. Wait, that's absolutely fascinating. I'm sure we can all read into that a lot it's more. Terrific, well. It's terrific, Tim. Thank you. Tim, I knew that Tim was going to tick all the boxes in a totally <laughs> terrific way. So you just brought up something actually very, very important. Um, and this happened to me. I just spoke yesterday in Philadelphia. I got off the stage and literally that's exactly what the guy said. He's like, Tim, that was terrific. I'm thrilled. And you made us think. And just, there was like 37 T words and, and it's funny and it's great. Um, but when Imagine any tech would have used if your name was Frank, Oh my God. Yeah. Be careful. <laughs> the, uh, any of these techniques and, and this is, this is the, this is where things get tricky. Uh, when you are, when you are writing, uh, your, your persuasive, um, uh, pieces, what you need to do is it needs to, uh, attack approach influence that subconscious part of the brain. If it ever bubbles up, to where you are influencing the conscious part of the brain, you will feel, they, they will feel like you are manipulating them, okay? So if, if you know about the name letter effect, and I'm coming at you with all kinds of keywords, then you're gonna feel like I'm trying to manipulate you. So this is very, very important with persuasion. Uh, anything that bubbles above the radar is going to lose effectiveness and anything that sort of targets that subliminal part of the brain uh, that, that what Daniel Kahneman calls system one, 
uh, it, that 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 horse part of the brain, some psychologists call it, is is absolutely uh, your target. You've got to you got to aim to the bottom of the brainstem. We say. Wow, thanks, Tim. Rob, are you ready to rock? Let's do it. Hey, hey. You don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So, the first quick fire round question: a book that you recommend. Okay, uh, quickly. So um, I just did an article for Huffington Post on the top 20 business books of the year. Uh, So I'm going to go with number one, which was Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. I did a ton of research into all these different books, uh, read a zillion books that year. And uh, yeah, Donald Miller's Story Brand uh, fits in with our conversation today as well. Yeah, I love it as well. It's a good one. And what would be one of your top success habits, Tim? Focused thought. Um, So distractedless focused thought. I, I think it's important to, um, to, to uh, habitualize downtime. So uh, that, that focused thought comes from, gosh, sleeping regularly as best I can, uh, fostering moments of uh, solitude. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of not easy to do in this time and in this day and this age. But what I, what I really want to sort of suggest and say is, um, the habit is really a non-habit. It's really an activity that's a non-activity. We try to fill our schedules and cram things in um, and be as productive as possible. And, and many times that's counterproductive. So I have to intentionally you know, find lazy sort of moments in my life for my brain uh, to do some work. Cool. Who do you look up to? I mean, besides you guys. So I, I have people that I look up to that are very rarely sort of in the public spotlight. Um, uh, you know, so I have, I have just a close friend. I have people in my mastermind groups. I'm going to, uh, this is a lightning round. I got to pull somebody out. Uh, somebody that you guys can Google. How about Jeff Shore? Jeff Shore, I think would tie into our topic. Jeff Shore does, uh, does some great work in, uh, in sales. He also has a, uh, has a podcast called The Buyer's Mind. And he talks a lot about buying psychology and, and selling psychology. So do you have any favorite apps that you think are really super cool? Oh, so I brought up Big View earlier. Can we stick with that? Sounds good. Now the big question, who do you like more, Rob or Kennedy? Uh, Tim, Tim David. <laughs> <laughs> All right, finally, where can folks go to find out more about you? Uh, I think the best place is moreinfluential.com moreinfluential.com has uh, just really a lot of free stuff, you know, a lot of free stuff that you can, you can dive into. One of my favorite, I think, free things at moreinfluential.com is something that I call the influence cheat sheet. And it's sort of a crash course in that subliminal, you know, target range of understanding how uh, to turn words into action. So the influence cheat sheet is something like 61 science-based influence strategies. And it's Super quick, super simple, um, but it's just a great little uh, little gift that I think your listeners would, would love. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tim. Really appreciate it, man. My pleasure. Great, catch, uh, great catching up. So that's really cool. I think when you hear a lot of people talking about persuasion and influence, it's often quite fluffy. It's woolly, stuff. kind of. You yeah. sit in like a conference room and go, oh, yeah. It's mostly like inspiring and like confidence building for the audience, but this it wasn't. Yeah, some really, really good stuff in there, like specific actionable stuff that you can just take out there, start implement, implementing to make all of your writing more 
influential. Influential indeed. Now, if you've forgotten or didn't take any notes during that, don't you worry your pretty little head about it because we have written up the, the, uh, the what are they call the show, show notes. notes. Having one of those days today. So, yes, the show notes, where are they going to be, Robert? You'll find them at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash zero three zero. Excellent. And if you haven't already, remember, you can, of course, grab a hold of a 14-day totally free trial of Response Suite right now and start using surveys in your marketing to understand your customers more and make sure you make the perfect offer to every single person every single time. And once you've done that, you'll probably want to head over and leave us a lovely comment on this very podcast on your most favorite of all the uh, podcast players. And we'll read out your comments and uh, give you a name check in the coming episodes. So thank you for joining us once again. If you have been here before, if you haven't, welcome aboard. We look forward to seeing you right back here, same time, same place, next week. Don't miss a thing. Miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com. <laughs>